Welcome to Lads on Grand Tour. I'm Dr. Nicole Cochran. And I'm Dr. Melissa Gustin. We're not lads, we're not on tour, and this definitely isn't on our CVs. You're listening to the podcast that's half travel, half research, half memes, and all fun. This week our guest is Alice Proctor. Alice is a writer, art historian. Her latest book, The Whole Picture, The Colonial Story of Art in Our Museums and Why We Need to Talk About It is out now on paperback. She has the world's cutest cat and frankly, she <laughs> owed us coming on her podcast three times so she has the pleasure or possibly the misfortune of being our first guest. Yeah, this is kind of all Ali's fault um, <laughs> for encouraging us to do this. It's like 50% you and 50% law my praxis. Uh huh. For encouraging us to do this. So, Ali, welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I, yeah, you've both been on my show, which is called Historical Friction, to talk about terrible movies. So, this is the least I could do in return. Also, we are friends. Yeah. I mean, there, there is that. There is a sort of um, horrible millennial nepotism podcast <laughs> network um, for people yeah. who simultaneously take themselves far too seriously and not serious enough at all um, and also this podcast is entirely us leeching off our successful friends so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what we are your tapeworm thank you <laughs> we are your little vibe pyres oh my God. just sucking your vibes <laughs> vibe pyres <laughs> that's the song lads on grand tour the vibe pyres perfect <laughs> love it so so ali where we like to go on vacation. We're still stuck on Plague Island. Um, I'm really sick of being stuck on Plague Island. Where are you taking us on our imaginary holiday this week? So this was fun to pick because I am a person who has spent a lot of my life attempting to drag my poor unsuspecting family and friends to places that I find interesting, even if there's literally nothing to see there. Um, yeah. And so my holiday choice was inspired by the three weeks I spent on Google Street View trying to get a clear photograph of one <laughs> building. <laughs> uh, we're going to Naples. <gasps> Love Naples. This is very exciting. Nicole is going to get very mad when I put in theme music later because she's going to have to listen to the Tarantella song. More Tarantella and more <laughs> jokes about us. I don't. Have we got an obscure, horrible film that we could make Naples references to? Uh, I mean, there's there's Pompeii. Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, frankly, after having watched that film, then listened to you both talk about that film, I'm trying to wipe that film from the existence of the yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. That is my brand, is uh, <laughs> ruining things. Um, but yeah, so... Okay, uh, sorry, Kit. I mean, he's. we discussed this extensively. He's a posh twat, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the six-pack doesn't make up for that at all. No. Um, we love a himbo, but... Uh. So, Ali, what are we going to see in the Naples? Is, I mean, Naples has this reputation, right? Like, mm -hmm. my mother, when I took her for the first time, was terrified that we were going to get mugged or pickpocketed or somehow <laughs> assaulted. And then bless her, God bless her, I love my mother dearly, walked around Naples with an open top tote bag and her phone in a forward facing pocket and somehow didn't get pickpocketed. Um, so I don't <laughs> think its reputation is entirely deserved. But yeah, what are we gonna see? No. So, so what are we gonna so, go look at? 
the several weeks I spent looking for a decent photograph on Google Street View was because I was trying to find the like location and appearance of the house that William and Emil Hamilton lived in <gasps> and attempting to find out like where they were, sort of get a sense of the geography of it. There was no purpose to this. Um, there is a chapter <laughs> about the Hamiltons in my book, but their house is basically irrelevant. I was just really determined to find a picture <laughs> of it. And I think eventually I figured out roughly one of the places where they would have lived, but it was like under scaffolding or something. So I want to go and like complete this task that I started two years ago with no real purpose. I mean, we've been like very important caveat here that I became so obsessed with Emma Hamilton as an undergrad that I actually have an Emma Hamilton tattoo. I know this about you and I think it's fucking fantastic. I was like, this woman is my favorite person that has ever existed. I have spent many first dates like the classic thing of where you know when you're a historian and, and they're like they think the easiest thing to be is like who would you like to meet from history yes and mine is always Emma Hamilton because I'm just like she was a great lady and she I love so her cool. yeah mine's always a tie between Emma Hamilton and Lee Miller um <laughs> who is another like really amazing polymath who was like multi-talented and is mostly known for her various boyfriends, which is like a deeply unfortunate thing that both of them have in common. Um, yeah, massive fan of Emma Hamilton. Saw the exhibition about her at the Maritime Museum <gasps> years ago with my friend Liv and just absolutely adored it. And have sort of like gone down a rabbit hole of being obsessed with her and William Hamilton ever since then, particularly for like their collections and stuff like that. And when I went to Naples with my family, I was like a shitty little teenager and all I wanted to do was go to Pompeii. And so I really didn't appreciate anything else that was going on. And I was like most obsessed with Pompeii and Herculaneum and just sort of like ignored everything that had happened since then, (laughs) which I have deep regrets about now, obviously. (laughs) I feel like, like, you know how everyone always says that like kids have dinosaur phases. I feel like every historian has a Pompeii phase. Yeah, that's it. Totally. I didn't. I didn't have a Pompeii phase. (laughs) That's because you're having it now, Melissa. I works on it. Because I'm a child at heart. Um, and I'm having my my juvenile Pompeii phase now. I I was an Egypt nerd Mm. and a Greek mythology nerd, but never had a Pompeii phase. Right. Possibly because we had actual volcanoes where I grew up and we were like legitimately kind of afraid of volcanoes. Again, ironic because you love volcanoes. I do love volcanoes. I do love volcanoes now. I would I would very much like to see a volcano. Um, I was in Italy during the Amatriciana earthquakes in 2017. Um, and because I'd grown up in the Ring of Fire um, mm-hmm. and sort of was very used to earthquake alerts and getting under doorways and things. I was staying in a really nice um, Airbnb right off the Vatican. And my lovely... Russian uh, host was sort of going, oh, are you afraid? Are you afraid? It's, it, it's just like, no, this is fine. This is this is very normal. But I'd been in Pompeii during one of the worst ones. I was so disappointed that it wasn't the volcano and I wasn't about to become a part of history, um, <laughs> which is possibly slightly insensitive of me, but also yeah. not the worst thing I'm going to say while we record this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I went through a lot of phases. I definitely had a big Pompeii phase. It was massively influenced by um, the Caroline Lawrence books, The Roman Mysteries, um, (laughs) because Pompeii happens in the second book of that. And I was was fucking obsessed with that series. Like I read them all, I loved it. I have several signed copies. I never met her, but all my like friends and family knew that I was obsessed. So people were always sending me like signed copies or whatever, which was adorable. Um, and, And yeah, that was like what got me into 
a lot of Roman history and I was already kind of a history nerd as a kid but then I must have been like maybe 13 or 14 when we went to Pompeii so I was like old enough to be really into it and I was sort of just starting to do Latin at school and things like that. Mm, you did mm. Latin at school. I so this is this is the thing to know about me is that I did Latin at school. I very briefly did ancient Greek as well. I fucking bombed ancient Greek. I was so bad at it. Um, but I was very nearly a classicist, <laughs> like in a former life. I was determined to like be a classicist or maybe an archaeologist. And I'm really glad that neither of those things worked out. <laughs> one of us. One of us. <laughs> I I did two lectures of ancient Greek at university discovered it was incredibly hard and I dropped it out immediately it's really hard (laughs) it's really fucking hard it's really hard and I was so into it and so determined to like do well and I just absolutely sucked and I wasn't very good at Latin either but I really enjoyed it so I did it for a level like I did it for I I studied Latin for like seven years (laughs) the language that I'm have spent most time learning aside from English is Latin (laughs) Oh my god, there's that it might be one of the worst things I've ever heard someone say. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, have so many regrets. <laughs> well, it just means that when we go to Pompeii, you can read us all the dirty graffiti. Yes, that is that is true. Although I don't remember any of it now. Like I gave years of my life to this stupid language. <laughs> and I don't remember a damn thing. <laughs> I mean, if that's not the the academic uh, thesis statement right there. Oh, god, yeah, completely. <laughs> that's our way of life but I mean I feel like if we if we went round Pompeii and found some of the good dirty dirty graffiti you'd remember the nasty stuff like if there was like a Catullus graffiti you could probably would I would also just probably like by filth osmosis like commune with the ghosts of horny dead people because you know (laughs) like knows like (laughs) we hold a seance (laughs) Yes. Oh, I mean, speaking of Catullus, like I know enough Latin to recognize that all the people getting like floral, cutesy cushions with Latin quotes on them that are like um, whatever the Picabo and Erumbo one, you know, the I'm going to face fuck you and sodomize you. And then calling it like an inspirational quote and putting it on a pillow. Like I know enough Latin to (laughs) see one of them. (laughs) Hashtag classic. I wrote an essay on that poem. (gasps) Do my very, very old... Oxfordian uh, male professor just he just loved it it's a great poem it's a good <laughs> poem big fan <laughs> love it and I mean like you can't go to Pompeii and not go to the brothel like exactly that's that's, that's the thing or just and, like, see the dicks everywhere yeah they're, I mean they're just dicks on paving stones dicks on the sides of buildings or the the the, the Priapus with the like foot-long penis um which is very infrequently open but and fucking a goat like yeah yeah, yeah. that's what Pompeii is to me is that statue completely or the cabinets full of penises (laughs) or the flying dick with dicks for feet and a dick and a dick (laughs) hanging off its dick and it's also every time the word dick yeah yeah (laughs) that's the drinking game for this episode or the like whatever kind of game you want to (laughs) do every time one of us says dick um I then I this is making me remember the time that I like accidentally went to the Pompeii exhibition that was on at the British Museum with my friend's family oh no (laughs) and it sucked it was so bad because I was just there to be like a happy little nerd having a good time see all the sculptures la 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 and like (laughs) somehow got into some kind of Latin pissing contest with her dad (laughs) 
I was like, I don't want to be here. I'm 16. Give me a break. <laughs> Ellie, your life is weird. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things that you need to understand the best thing that's ever happened is me and Melissa trying to get into an exhibition and it being fully booked and us just having a breakdown at the middle of the Ashwood. Oh, babies. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the Pompeii. It was the, the, the last supper at Pompeii. And we'd, mm-hmm. left, we'd left London on the bus. There had been plenty of tickets available. And oh by the time we got to the Ashmolean, it had completely sold out. So I ended up having to buy a membership to the Ashmolean on site. And then we had to go in individually using my brand new membership card. <laughs> like one of the, we couldn't go in. They wouldn't let us in together. We had you to had go- to go with the card and then come back and yeah. swap cards. That is unhinged. And it was ridiculous. We couldn't, you couldn't even use it again. I could, I, it's, yeah, that was the, the only time I've been to, to Oxford with that card was for that exhibition. Absolutely oh. ridiculous. And I bought, I bought a tote bag that tore, I think, within weeks. I was like, I was so angry at the skeleton bag. I was like, my, ha- my happy skeleton bag. I was so angry. The skeleton and his jugs. I love yeah. his jugs. I love him. Two jugs. Two milky jugs. <laughs> <laughs> For the benefit of the listener, someone on the screen has just enhanced their milky jugs. Um, <laughs> we're not saying who... <laughs> But a gesture uh. was made <laughs> to my students the other day. Like just, just I was just going, oh, and then you might find yourself. And I went, oh, mm-hmm. um, so- sorry, honk honk, sorry. I was gonna say, did you do like a little like honk honk? <laughs> I did sort of instinctively when I realized what I was doing, um, because again, I'm a child. Um, no, we are smart academics with smart academic things to say. Serious <laughs> professional businesses. So what else in Naples is, or sort of around that vicinity, where are you, is there anywhere in particular that you would recommend for food or for people watching? I mean, my like primary goal is right now, like literally the only thing I can think about is how much I want to be drinking a three euro glass of wine. (laughs) Literally anywhere. (laughs) Like I will sit in the gutter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. My recommendation would be uh, the Piazza San Domenico Maggiore, which is uh, my absolute fave, if uh-huh. only because um, they, one, I know where it is, and I can, wherever I stay, I can get back <laughs> back to it. It's right next to a place that does really nice gelato, nice. which is super important. Um, and it's got, like, a nice piazza, but there's always, they bring, they drive through, this is the funniest thing to me, I don't know why, little, like, minis, like, little itty-bitty tiny mini cars that are also um, like bin men. Yes, so yeah, yeah, like yeah. They're really, really, like, they're literally like a mini. Yeah, it's but like the dinkiest little trash so bus. They're so funny. I don't know what's so them. <laughs> I just think they're great. I just they're think so they're really good. delightful. <laughs> Nothing makes me happier than a they're novelty-sized Italian vehicle. Meme of like, I just think they're neat, and it's just one of these little bin cars. The other one that I love is I. The last time I was in Venice, I walked past the place doing construction, and mm-hmm. obviously you can't have like dumpsters. Um, so their dumpster was a like a canal boat. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just it was like literally a gondola full of like shit. construction detritus like I don't know why this is hysterical but it's the greatest thing I've ever seen (laughs) humanity loves to adapt itself in bizarre ways like tiny vehicles and skip boats 
this is just making me want to like go on a ridiculous tour of all of the like stupid houses that 18th century idiots lived in like that is just my life's goal like that's all I ever want to do this podcast basically yeah Yeah. (laughs) we just want to be Byron and Shelley having a jaunt and getting drunk and (laughs) running around and going to Naples exactly making like we'll do that classic like a grand tour thing where they like broke into Pompeii at night and stole things like I would love to do that obviously I don't like condone vandalism no no, of course yeah, we, none of us condone vandalism, but, but also for reasons, I have to say that we won't do that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I also th- there are parts of Pompeii that they are very ter- determined to keep people out of. Yes, the fencing is very good; it's very solid. They have lovely scrims with like didactic information in three or four languages, and maybe some nineteenth-century pictures. And they're saying, "Oh, this is what was found here. This is what we're cleaning up," and it's very lovely. And you can sort of see. Um, people doing construction work to, to reinforce everything. And then there's other bits of it where it's a bit of caution tape and one end has fallen off. <laughs> and you sort of go, if you really wanted to keep me out, you'd be, you'd be trying, trying harder. harder. You'd be trying harder. You'd be trying harder. I'm just going to have a little look-see. I'm just hypothetically, hypothetically, if someone wanted to see what was around that corner, they could. <laughs> and they wouldn't touch anything. <laughs> never touch the they would never touch the art but they might go see what's there I am the absolute worst for hopping ropes yep. and like as someone who's worked in museums and like heritage sites and stuff <laughs> like I know the rules blah 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 but I am just like absolutely uncontrollable and I have been like this literally all my life my yeah. parents took me to Italy when I was a baby like literally one year old and at Hadrian's villa there was like this like meter square of mosaic that was fenced off for some reason because there was conservation work on it and they turned around for a second and looked back and I was just sitting right in the middle of it <laughs> I had just like up and run and I was like there is a fence <laughs> and I'm getting past that fence <laughs> and they just found me like sitting in this tiny fenced off area and I have been like this all my life I love touching stuff I love hopping a fence I once climbed into friends. this is why we're friends yep I once climbed into uh, a house in the Forum in Rome. (laughs) It was like kind of fenced off, but there was no one there. And I figured that it was probably fine. And so I just like went past it. There were some amazing frescoes there. Yeah, as you do. The first time I went to Naples, they they had like closed off most of the archaeological museum. Which is the whole reason I was there was to go see stuff in the Farnese collection. And I had brought, I had been sort of, gently informed the way to deal with this was to just bring cash and to slip <laughs> if you needed to slip a guard 10 euro and they let you in here the problem That's was incredible. there were literally no guards to bribe and i was saying that i'm like i have like 50 euro to get past like if i whatever i need to go see the stuff in this room but there's no one here to bribe and i don't know how aggressive they're going to be if i just just go. Just go. So I was just sort of going, eh, I'm just going to peek around a corner. I'm just going to lean as far as I can over the edge. Because I just don't know the, I just don't know what your like guard culture is like here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, favorite I museum. Absolutely get this from it. my dad, who is a classic like doorway leaner. Like every time <laughs> there's a door that's kind of like slightly open or a fence, he will just like bend perfectly at the waist and like see the entire room. 
<laughs> he Gotta loves see what's there. He loves sneaking past a thing, and he's always like, "That looks really interesting." And we're like, "Yeah, well, we can't see it because the door's closed." And he's like, "Well, you didn't try hard enough." <laughs> <laughs> See, this is perfect lads on grand tour attitude. This is the spirit that we need to take with us. My dad, we need to bring to my dad. The house again. Yes. Your dad yes. is absolutely invited on our <laughs> tour of Italy. Yes. When we go, well, let's, let's not use the word loot because everything that we like to talk about as grand tourists was kind of legitimately, kind of, maybe, depending on who you ask. I mean, this is the... Um. The English say one thing, everyone else says something different. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) I feel like that's just generally how it went. It's just like, hmm. Yep. (laughs) Take this. This is ours now. Yeah, this is my thing as well, because that like I'm so used to talking about colonial art and colonial history. And for a really long time, I was like, great. When I think about like the grand tour it's like it's pretty fine there's nothing being stolen and it turns out they were stealing shit all the time constantly yeah. i went into this for like some light relief it's like i know i'll get really into 18th century italy that'll be a fun distraction turns yeah. out it's no. not yeah it's just like when you start when you even like when you talk about like emma hamilton you're like oh here's this really interesting woman yeah. you're like oh she was passed from a lover to her yeah. her lover's uncle like an object and you're like she was literally shipped off (laughs) to his uncle so that i think brings us nicely onto npr segue voice nicole would you like to ask ali her shag mary kill for the week oh i am dreading this (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what you've chosen are there pictures i we should have had pictures we should have had pictures we should have had pictures so we we have a we have a theme to our fuck Mary Kill, and it is around the theme of people who did or tried to fuck Emma Hamilton. <laughs> so your choice for fuck Mary Kill is Sir William Hamilton, uh, Horatio Nelson, and the Prince Regent. <laughs> oh boy! Okay, <laughs> so I think. I think marrying William Hamilton is probably your best bet. Like he'll look after you. He'll set you up with a good collection and stuff like that. Like you've just got to make sure that you're going to inherit stuff when he dies <laughs> um, and like keep a, keep a lid on things. Like he sucks in a multitude of ways, but he's a fairly solid husband. Like he's, 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 he's relatively he's reliable. <laughs> exactly. He's also like a lot older than you. So you can, I mean, I'm, imagining that this is Emma Hamilton's choice at this point like <laughs> he's older he's sort of like manageable you know I feel like that's probably likely to die before you yes so you just exactly. got to make sure the will is in order exactly you get to wear that excellent like Italian widow oh no my husband has died outfit absolutely there's, there's a nice like black shawl yeah yeah and maybe like sometimes you walk in on him jerking off to a vase but like <laughs> We all have burdens. <laughs> that's just that's just life in classics, you know. Yeah. Who's exactly. amongst us hasn't seen a particularly well-shaped vase? <laughs> um okay, my next question is Prince Regent at which age? Will be nice and say <laughs> when he's a bit younger. Okay. Before he's the regent, when he's still just yeah. the Prince of Wales and Okay. Because I would say if it's like young, kind of sexy George the Fourth before he's 
the regent, before he's king, like before he has been uh, struggling with the burden of his life. You know, before he's gone like fully down the rabbit hole of like just getting shit faced all the time and having a million girlfriends. Um, like I would maybe fuck him under the right circumstances, although <laughs> isn't like part of the story. Possibly I'm just getting this from a Georgette hire, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that him and all his brothers were like really, really bad about catching feelings. And they were constantly like, they'd have a new mistress, it'd be like a casual thing. And then one of them would be like, I have to marry her. And they all get like <laughs> real bad feelings really fast. So like he would probably not be great for just a one-off. No, I think, well, I, I think, think isn't that what like the 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 Sophie Columbo's thing exactly. with the letters is that he gets, he's like a serial monogamist, but bad at the monogamy part. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta cut ties, but you might also get some really nice presents out of it while it lasts. This is true. This is true. But then but then there's Nelson, who was also not great, but was kind of hot when he was younger. Um, and you just have to make sure that he doesn't get you pregnant. Yeah. And that you don't get stuck dealing with his wife. He's a virile man, Nelson. He is, yeah. he is, yeah. So you've just got to be really careful that he doesn't get you pregnant. I would say, though, that... Mm, see, this is the problem. You've got to... They've got to toss up between he gets you pregnant and you're stuck, like, <laughs> dealing with his widow. Or he catches feelings and haunts you forever and then literally becomes the king. So the other side of it is, the thing to keep in mind is if you kill Nelson, you're siding with the French... So... Oh, kill Nelson. That's fine. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's fine. Kill okay, Nelson. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so I guess I'm fucking the Prince Regent. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. There we go. That works. Um, yeah, I have no, I have no compunction about the French. Ancestrally, I'm slightly more French than English, anyway. So, suspect. Very suspect. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't um, you of my very, very long lineage of very boring Scottish people. I mean, I am also, I think, slightly, technically slightly more French than British, but my ancestors were, were also pilgrims. Um, mm. So I have no legs to stand on whatsoever when it comes to anything. Like we're, we're literally, we're on the Mayflower. Um, <laughs> so we suck a lot. My great-great-grandfather came from Alsace and went to Australia, was trying to go to America, got on the wrong boat, um, but was uh, became an Australian citizen. And his cousin, who then like moved to Australia with him, was interred as an enemy alien during the First World War because they thought he was German, not French. So like, I feel like for just sort of the point of principle, I have to go with the French on, on this. Like, fuck the Prussians. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> fuck no, the fuck the Brits. Uh, I genuinely, as a historian, had to Google if Prussia was still a thing. <laughs> because I genuinely had a moment where I was like so stuck in my research that I was just like, no. <laughs> and I couldn't remember. And I could not, I could not tell you where Prussia was in a map. <laughs> sorry, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is, you know, we're all, to be fair, we're primarily British and nominally French and Italian historians. So why should we have to know where other countries are? We know where the three most important ones. <laughs> See, now the Daily Mail can't cancel us. Now oh, we've, we've made ourselves uncancelable um, <laughs> and can say anything else. Um, 
because I accidentally said one vaguely right-wing thing about <laughs> <laughs> the only country that matters. Uh, so, Ali, tell us a little bit about, so that we can pretend this is a nominally professional, um, semi-academic kind of, kind of okay podcast and not just us bullying our friends to come talk shit with us. Um, tell us a little bit about your book, which is now available in paperback. Yeah, so um, the book is called The Whole Picture. It's about colonialism and museums. And it's based on the guided tours that I ran as the Uncomfortable Art Tours. And the idea that all of these objects in museums have very entangled colonial histories. So the main focus is obviously objects that are associated with imperialism, primarily British imperialism. But... I talk about how these objects kind of move over time, how they've been displayed, that sort of thing. And yeah, the first chapter is about the Hamiltons, which is fun. Um, But there are also chapters about like the French royal family and Napoleon owning a diamond that came from India via the British East India Company and like modern colonial history and sort of how we deal with legacies of empire. And I think it's pretty good. (laughs) like it's I'm quite Very proud of it sitting on my desk one day it's, I'm gonna make you sign it of course yeah um yeah so I mean I'm mainly interested in colonial history and sort of how we deal with it but have kind of like a hobby interest in people collecting classical sculptures in the 18th century and like what that means for British identity and stuff like that which is why I'm friends with both of you <laughs> Yes, we do love that. You'll have to come give some kind of fancy lecture when we finally manage to get to live together and have Sculpture House. Uh, yes. yes, we'll have to have some kind of Hamiltonian salon. And you have can a do, soiree. You I can have do attitudes. Can I do attitudes? Well, I was just going to ask you to do attitudes. Obviously, you'll have to come do attitudes. We'll I would... have to befriend some fun artists to come like draw you in the attitudes. <laughs> and probably some kind of poet to come declaim about the elegance of the surroundings and the importance (laughs) of all of our classical knowledge and wisdom um so that would be yes excellent excellent living our dream life there Mm -hmm. living the dream life with our weird not real classical sculpture because we'll still be poor um but like weird contemporary sculpture by fun people um it's kind of classical or classical-ish, because that would be, that would be excellent. Yes. I have a question for both of you that's kind of related to what we've been talking about. Have you ever spent too long kind of obsessively looking for a place or like a house or tried to visit somewhere that like isn't a significant like historical location, but that you are really fixated on and tell me where? I have spent far more time than I should going up and down, um, one very short street in Rome um, because one of the people, the two women I did my dissertation on, Harriet Hosmer and Emma Stebbins, lived in one or two or possibly three different houses on one street, but they've all been renumbered. (gasps) And it's not entirely clear going. So I spent a lot of time sort of going up and down the street on Google Street View, trying to figure out which one is the right house from the right year um, and have gotten into it sometimes with um, the, the, the Hertziana Museum at the top of the hill on the Via Gregoriana uh, because they say their founder is the one who put her initials on the building and I say it was Harriet Hosmer 
because they had the same initials. Um, and until they tell me otherwise, I refuse to be corrected because Hosmer <laughs> lived there first. And I like it that way. But yeah, nice. literally up and it's maybe it's a five minute walk street mm-hmm. and just up and down the Google Street View for like oh six God. years. Um, it's not, it would be so much easier if I could just freaking go again <laughs> for the 15th time. Yeah, mine is significantly less interesting in that I spend far too much time during my PhD uh, charting where different collectors' houses were and trying to figure out how long they could have walked between each other's houses. Mm. To just try and, like, for literally, like, the most obscure footnote to be, like, they probably knew each other because they could walk to each other's house. Or, like, how far they were from the British Museum. Like, yes. just the most boring thing. And, like, I did a lot with John Stone of just being, like, he lived five minutes away from the British Museum. Of course he would have visited. It's just mm-hmm. the most inanely boring thing looking through, like, 18th century street maps I love that though I do this kind of shit all the time I get really obsessed with like where people lived or how they would have got to places and like yeah try and work out where they would have walked and that kind of thing call it psychogeography and you're set because this is (laughs) I had to do this I keep having to do this for the women in Rome going it was a 15 minute walk from their house I know because I used an 1857 guidebook and street map to follow only extant streets and time date it's they obviously, yes, they went to the free open public museum that was 15 minutes from their house. <laughs> I No, it's not boring. I refuse to allow you to say that it's boring. That's neat. <laughs> if you tried to like do, oh, this is who signed the guest book and this is what they had for dinner, that would be boring. Yes, yeah, that's true. But sort of going, yes, obviously they were... 15 minutes from each other on foot and I know this because I used maps and science is quite interesting I think yeah definitely I love I love a bit of psychogeography I love that kind of thing call it psychogeography (laughs) in your set because then you're like doing cool bro-y sort of city walking you're walking with purpose I don't actually understand what psychogeography is um (laughs) technically I'm an anthropologist I'm supposed to know this shit I th- I, is it, I, it's just walking with pretensions. I, yeah, it's kind of, I think my understanding of it would be that it's, yeah, it's walking with intent and it's the idea of like experiencing through walking. And so like walk with your body, you know, consider what you're experiencing and seeing and walk with your fucking, what the, what are, I that's say walking. words sometimes. That's walk, that's just walking. <laughs> walk with your body. Okay, as okay. walking your as methodology, walking as fieldwork. As we all know, I don't know what methodology is and it's like the bane <laughs> of my life trying to define a methodology for, I would like to look at some pictures and have opinions about them. But That's a methodology. You're using your eyeballs to behold things. <laughs> but as I understand it, it's about, yeah, using walking like as a form of research to think about what you experience and see and you learn cool stuff that way. So what I'm taking away from this is that we need to go to Naples um, yes. on an unlimited budget, possibly in jaunty buckskin trousers and some dashing cravats <laughs> and coats with braid and maybe, maybe even a jaunty hat. Um <laughs> and walk with intention with our bodies through the streets of Naples until we come to Banyo Elena and view the Villa Emma and perhaps think think with our bodies at (laughs) maybe strike an attitude and then go get some espresso and then talk about it. I think that sounds like the dream. That sounds like the dream. So I have one final question for you 
what is your absolute favorite recommendation for Empty Heads, No Thoughts content? That, yeah, what do you what do you turn to when it's time to have fewer thoughts than your cat? Oh, just like in general or right now? Just like in general. Or, just in or general. right now. Just what do you I... I love like weird fantasy and sci-fi. Um, I have a lot of love for that sort of thing, especially if there's a sort of like having a moral crisis about the universe, but <laughs> with pixies kind of vibe. Like, so the things that I'm watching at the moment for that are uh, Star Trek. <laughs> and <laughs> my brother wrote a skip watch list for um, The Next Generation. So I've been following his guidelines on like what the good episodes are. Um, and it's very much written by someone who's into human rights law because he's kept all the ones that are about like ethical dilemmas <laughs> and cut everything else. Um, and I'm I'm currently watching Castlevania, <laughs> which is dumb as shit and like deeply deranged and kind of really nasty as well. But it's great for just like, I have absolutely no thoughts. This is so stupid. Let me watch the silly little cartoon and be soothed by Richard Armitage's voice. <gasps> That's us sold. <laughs> no but okay i have been ignoring the adverts for <laughs> castlevania for years <laughs> i have no interest to watch richard armitage does one of the voices he does holy <laughs> he shit the main character <laughs> and it's just like it's just so soothing right well that's that's me sorted for a substantial <laughs> amount of time <laughs> yeah seriously um yeah i love i love a bit of like just deranged fantasy like that's where I get all my catharsis from especially something that's like completely impossible um, love it there's something so brilliant is... about particularly at the moment of just like I'm going to go live in a world where there are elves and magic and completely no one has any technology and there is no plague <laughs> absolutely although having said that I'm currently gearing myself up to watch the terror um because one of my favorite genres is white men suck at their jobs um <laughs> And I'm really excited to watch a whole series about a bunch of white men failing to sail a ship. Um, but apparently it's like got some sort of suspense and horror elements. So I need to make sure that I'm like in a good frame of mind for that and not watch it at night. It's not that bad. Um, oh, okay. I have a very morbid imagina in imagination and very low tolerance for spook or creep. Mm. Um, or And it was fine. Okay, um, great. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you need to. If you are somehow more of a baby than me. I'm definitely not more of a baby than you. Yeah, no, I'm very much. I'm the first to admit I no, I don't do I don't do anything like that. Um but it's it's absolutely fine. Amazing. You'll you'll be you'll be totally set. Incredible. Yeah, watch Castlevania. It's got um sex murder and uh no one likes the church. <laughs> so sold. Sex it's a murder in time. So, so that that I mean, what does that follow into? Sort of the, the tropes of other things that we have watched on mass. <laughs> I know, um, cursed <laughs> warrior nun. Oh boy, <laughs> the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a genre that we have spent a lot of time navigating recently. I would say. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to continue that trend. I think that's the way to do it. I love to take a holiday from having a brain. Yeah, that's the, I think in this world, no thoughts, empty brain content is absolutely necessary. So I think that's all of our discussion points. Is there anything, are there any final thoughts that you wish to leave us with? Um, 
no no don't touch the art <laughs> don't, don't 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 break into okay, things okay fine 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 um officially we have to say don't touch the art and don't climb any fences however when no one's looking and you're not actually damaging anything yeah nothing lasts forever <laughs> you're probably fine to lick a sculpture or two um <laughs> for legal reasons this is a joke <laughs> i have never licked a sculpture i have <laughs> right, we're gonna st- we're gonna stop recording and you're gonna tell us which one uh <laughs> thank you so much for having me so I, where where yeah. can people find you um yeah so i'm on twitter as aa proctor it's proctor with an e not an o i am also on there as history friction which is my podcast where we watch films and tv series that are kind of loosely associated with the past and talk about their accuracy or what's wrong with them um which is a very fun show that both melissa and nicole have been on and you should listen to their episodes about pompeii and the mummy and not the episodes about the da vinci code (laughs) Um, and i live on the internet so that's a very easy place to find me and you can get my book which is called the whole picture and it's in paperback or hardback although hardbacks suck yeah they fall on your face when you fall asleep and then you hurt yourself (laughs) um so we advise the paperback. Thank you so much, Allie, for being our first guest and encouraging us in this shenanigan. And the people of the internet will probably not thank you. Um. <laughs> it's too late. It's too <laughs> late. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. We've been lads on Grand Tour. Uh-huh.